you know, this year has been kind of shit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I yeah. mean, that, that comic with, like, Cthulhu and Galactus and Godzilla, like, triple booking. Uh-huh. Yep. We got coronavirus. Um, we got massive civil unrest. The economy is collapsing. That whole Megafires subplot from last year has gotten recycled on the West uh-huh. Coast. Again. God, it was so irritating. Um, I thought we were done with this after the 2017 season. Um, but apparently not. Apparently not. This time they had to like double put the plot from the 2017 season um, here and the 2018-2019 seasons in there. And we're fucked. <laughs> Remember, 2020 is everything that's happened in the 20th century uh, remade by Roland Emmerich. So, mm-hmm. but produced by Michael Bay. <laughs> Very important. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where things stand. But, you know, there are some constants in the universe. Like um, Jacob Wall. Jacob Wall. Um, you know, fresh off of his accusation that um, Elizabeth Warren is apparently a dominatrix or something. I didn't really understand the allegations. I mean, honestly, um, if that came out during the primary with like credible proof, that may have actually been a positive for me changing my vote. Uh-huh. Just saying. Yeah, he dropped it far, far too early. Um, well, back then it would have been Bernie. Um, Bernie was still at play. Um, but it would have made me more enthused about her in the general. Not by that much, because I much like her, but... I mean, let's be yeah. real. A Dom Elizabeth Warren president would have probably had Mitch McConnell eating out of her hand inside a week. Mm-hmm. But, no. Um, so Jacob Wool um, decided that he was going to get into some amateur filmmaking. Um, wherein he staged a FBI raid on his business partner. Um, and passed it off as a movie shoot. Well, as a TV pilot shoot. Why? It was... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And um, at least one paper seemed to take it seriously. Um, And, I mean, I did see the tweet thread that all this was grabbed from, and it did look mildly credible, but also there was a distinct lack of, like, any sort of tactical vehicle. The FBI just do that. The alphabet boys, when they come in, they come in. 
Um, they're either, you know, in like, you know, these absurd, unmarked Ford Explorers, or, you know, they're just like rolling bear cats um, into the neighborhood. It's one or the other, and like, neither of them were present. Yeah. It was like, it was so fucking absurd. I mean, this is Jacob uh, Wall, the, you know, the next Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's like, you know, this is this doesn't stop him from like, you know, investigating Mattis, but um, I mean, I'm sure it slowed things down some because now his business partner has to hook all his computers back up, um, which I'm a tiny bit sympathetic towards. It is a pain in the ass. But at this point, why do people keep doing shit with him? I mean, uh-huh. it is well established that he is a colossally incompetent, like, I'm not even sure if there's a good word for it. Like, dumbass just doesn't feel like it's got enough, you know, zing to it to really describe, like, Jacob Wool's just abject stupidity. Um, uh-huh. It, like... Especially in contrast to his, like, unerring ability to get people to throw money at him for his really dumb rat-fucking attempts. Oh, yes. Like, he's like a (laughs) stupid Roger Stone, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, look, that guy was going down. He nearly did go down. And... I mean, they had to find a replacement, but the problem is, is you don't do a casting change like this in midstream. I'm sorry, you don't. You don't. (sighs) Welcome to Top Shop Economics. We read this shit, so you don't have to. Lurf. Um, (laughs) I'm Miss Silver. Uh, with me is Doc Spider. Um, everything is on fire, um, though it's less on fire than it used to be. San Francisco is officially at LA smog in the seventies levels. Uh huh. Meanwhile, um, here it's like. The sensors can't seem to decide whether it's 330 or 480. Um, I've seen conflicting reports. Um, and some sensors seem to measure higher, but I mean, once you get past 300, it is kind of academic with the way the air quality index works. Yeah. Yeah. That, that purple space is called you put on a rebreather. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, at this point, everything... Everything tastes like fucking ash right now. I, I don't really know how to describe it. Um, and we've been able to keep the place relatively sealed up, but... It's... <sighs> There was literally no joke an entire day where everybody in the Bay Area had to have their lights on inside the house at noon because the smoke blotted out the sun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, just a couple of days ago, visibility was down to 
a hundred yards, and oh, that's a hundred, roughly a hundred meters for those of you not using moon units. Um, and we, we stand the metric system on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I would have believed it if you told me it was more like thirty meters. Um, I actually had a picture I showed one of my girlfriends um, who couldn't quite believe it. But, yeah. um, (laughs) Everything's on fire. But But at least we can count on the stupidity of the American federal COVID response, especially from the Trump regime. Uh Um... (laughs) As we hear the beginning of the white horse. Oh, yes. The relief that wasn't. Good God. Though we are still going to talk about the wildfires way more later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's... We just... We have to bitch about it, because it's like, you know, we can still smell, we can still taste it. It was fucking Silent Hill for a solid week. Yes, and it's like, you know, if you aren't living here right now, um, yeah, it's like, it's all you can really think about. It's, because it's just, it's that insane. Oh, and don't try to, um, mask up for it, you need an actual respirator for this yeah. shit. Yeah. Like, you need the shit that you break out for tear gas. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or working with lead paint or something. Yeah. But, well, technically what you want is particulate filter. Um, N95, P100, things like that. Um, something that will protect you against 2.5 and 10 micron particles. Um, yeah. But yeah, the relief that wasn't. Um, the other relief that wasn't, because it is worth mentioning, we got like absolutely shafted by the feds again. Oh yeah. But, so yeah, the payroll tax thing, the payroll tax deferral. Um, so we, like, in fairness, we have not talked about this this much, but that's because it's really fucking dumb, and no uh-huh. business was doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's like it went over with a dull thud um, and like, you know, all the usual suspects like ADP just basically said, lol, fuck you. Um, Because they can do that. They can just tell their customers that um, no, we really don't recommend implementing this. Um, If you pay us a lot of money, we'll consider it, but this is stupid and you're just exposing your employees to um, unfunded tax liability later um, yeah. in the fiscal year. Because all this deferment was going to do, which and this is the exact reason why business took one look at this like offer from Trump, and it's really kind of noteworthy that the private sector turned their nose up at a tax anything, because um, uh-huh. usually that's always good for them. Um but they looked at the details, and the details were saying, well, yeah, you're going to be deferred on your payroll taxes until the end of 2020, and the businesses are going to be responsible for keeping track of that money because they will be expected to pay up in 2021, pending, you know, some kind of legislation that actually, you know, 
puts this into place, which is, if this was not a stupid idea, it wouldn't be a bad authoritarian tactic to be like, here's this carrot, but it's only going to be here if you keep me in office. But instead of being a carrot, he, like, whipped out a bag of dog shit. Um. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's like the private sector didn't um, go for this because why would you? And it's if you, you're, if you you're have to a, pay a big chunk of money later, <laughs> and you have to yeah. keep track of that fucking money, and you know, no payroll company wants to actually make the software for that. Yeah, and it's like if you're self-employed, um, you know, I'm not going to give you like fucking tax advice, but I don't suggest sitting on your um, quarterly payment. Yeah. That that's just a really bad idea. And remember, he can he can cancel this. At which point, you know, you would be liable. Um experience no. And he's exactly that kind of petty asshole who would cancel it upon being told that it's not affordable or something. Mm-hmm. But we're all dancing around the issue, which is that Trump has figured out a way to see that, you know, it's actually doing something. Because, you know, I mean, obviously, it's like, you know, you want to implement something and you want to see it through, uh, no matter how stupid it is, because we're not... We're not talking about, you know, a rational actor here. We're talking about Trump. And on a basic political level, he has had, like, precisely zero policy wins going into this election season. So, like, any president, any elected official who was in a similar position would be desperately scrambling for something that they can put in the win column. Yeah. And it's like... Well, COVID relief didn't really seem to be it, because he kind of fucked that up. And also, you know, it recently came out that he kind of lied about it. But we are dancing around the fucking issue. The issue is is that he's going to push this into the public sector. Specifically Uh, the military. Which I found... I was... I was... I was amazed. I mean, it's, it's so perfect. The, the only way it could be better is if he included the Secret Service. She <laughs> <laughs> probably did. Let's be real. <laughs> the Secret Service was denied pay during the government shutdown in, like, 2018, so... Oh my god. <laughs> and so, it's like... At first, it's been like the Coast Guard. They told the Coast Guard that no, none of your, um, none of your personnel are allowed to opt out of this. Um, you have to not collect the taxes. And, you know, um, unless something changes, uh, you are to stick them with the liability. Um, starting January 21st, 2021, because that's the next <laughs> fiscal quarter. I, 
I am amazed. It's... <sighs> I, I, I am struggling to think of another um, government ever in history that has basically loan sharked the people who have guns and who are essential for maintaining the power of said government. Oh, like, yeah. And I'm coming up blank here. It's like they, um, the Coast Guard was the first to tell people, uh, tell their people that, uh, yeah, we're, we're going along with this bullshit. Um, and so basically they're going to, I don't know if they're going to like, you know, collect the entire liability at once, um, which is possible. Um, like, just look up defect payroll um, sometime and read some of the fucking horror stories. Like, they will absolutely claw back all sorts of bullshit if um, the command thinks they can get away with it. Oh, yeah. This um, is, you know, the same troops that are, you know, in boats that are running into each other and shit. Um. Mm-hmm. So... They basically told, the Coast Guard told them, you know, they gotta do it. Um, if you separate before December, you're gonna get hit by a tax bill. Um, so you can't run for the door. Uh-huh. And, um, the Air Force has also notified them. Um, the Navy army um the m marines they haven't like formally informed their members yet but uh <laughs> that's that's coming soon and you know it's debatable as to whether or not the failure to inform in the case of the army or the navy may be due to that they are having trouble with you know processing the data in the first place sending the emails not you know needlessly killing soldiers at Fort Hood (laughs) in record numbers yes so it's like the liability can be up to $2300 which doesn't sound like a lot but that is a lot of money to lose, um, and if you're not if you're not drawing combat pay, like you're kind of fucked. Yeah, the, yeah. This is yeah. I mean, never in the history of the world has a government been overthrown by pissed off soldiers who uh, were not getting paid enough or. We're having their pay fucked with. That's never happened ever in the history of the world, I'm sure. Um. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, there's never been any lingering discontent that later prompts soldiers to take action even after the issue is resolved. And, you know, before this happened, before a lot of the things of the last summer have happened, 45% of the military were strongly opposed to Donald Trump. And only, like, 20% were strongly supportive. Yeah. This is before you know this. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's like you're basically telling you're basically telling the truth. So you know how um, when your friends got burned by DFAC and had to like repay a bunch of shit, and then they um, you know didn't have a paycheck for like six fucking months. And they got fucked because of it. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna do that to all of you. Um, and this won't be a payroll error that you can just sort out or have command, um, you know, look into. Um, you're just gonna have to eat this shit. Yeah, it's this is dumb and awful and like awfully dumb. There's like. It's not even going to get an appreciable economic boost because the money that they have to pay back is going to have to be withheld anyway. Because the smart way to handle this would be to go, well, shit, I'm going to look at my last pay stub, see about what the money was, round up to be safe, and sock that away in my savings account and let it accrue interest. I mean, that interest probably won't keep up with inflation, but, you know, at least it'll gain some value in the interim, and I'll most likely be able to make the IRS go away. You know, hypothetically speaking here. So, it's, yeah, it is You're you're not going to spend that on Christmas (laughs) presents or something. You're not going to spend that on Halloween candy. So, you know, put that out of your brain right now, that this money would ever, from this program, have been potentially able to be used as economic stimulus, because that was never going to happen at any scale. Yeah. Like, everything everything about this is dependent on a bill being passed in 2021 that forgives the tax liability completely. And... And it would have to be passed before the, you know, calendar rolls over. Yeah, it would have to be passed in the late... It would have to be passed in the lame duck session. Um, Which, yeah, that's not happening. I mean, as ineffectual as Pelosi has been in some regards so far, like, you know, not holding the rest of the government ransom to get COVID aid passed, um... I'm fairly certain that she would, at the very least, basically, like, table anything that requires money going through the house during the lame duck session. Uh-huh. Like, there is no reason other than doing, like, some continuation bills for the house to do anything. If yeah. we're assuming a peaceful transition of power away from Trump is happening. Yeah, I mean, maybe if, like, Biden gets in, um, and then she might be willing to... Um, and she might be willing to, you know, consider just forgiving the liability, um, but that's, you're, you're relying on a lot of ifs and maybes and, yeah. Yeah, this was fucking dumb all around, like, and (laughs) inflicting it on the people with guns who are trained and prepared for this thing called organized violence is mm-hmm. like why that that's never that's literally never ended well yeah of course so we could i mean it could also be the shit like what's going on in brexit because we finally have developments there ah uh, so the tories have negotiated a deal with japan um, 
I am not entirely sure how much that would be effective. Um, Estimates peg the New Deal, which would remove tariffs on a number of goods the UK exports to Japan, um, would like lift the British GDP by 0.17% if we're assuming nothing else goes wrong between now and Brexit Day. <laughs> That's not a round... That is like a rounding error. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that that's Boris's plan. Like, I mean, I think there is actually a plan here. I mean, because we do have to remember that, like, I mean, Boris Johnson is evil and a total scumbag. But unlike Donald Trump, he actually has like two brain cells to rub together. Um, because you don't make it to the top of the Tory party without being at least a semi-intelligent backstabber. Like, you just can't. This isn't yeah. like the Republican Party, where they've been making a Trump-shaped hole for, like, somewhere around 20 years now, um, and Trump stepped in. Yeah. Like, like yeah. the GOP's always been more like a corporation. The Tories are like a country club. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and it's like, you usually see that more kind of craven behavior in the parties to the Tories' right. Um, but the thing of it is, is, like, I, I can see why he would make this play, and it kind of makes a little sense, um, but... It's not... I mean, it's... It, it's... I mean, it's the thing to remember that the difference between the Tories and the Republicans is the Republicans are stupid and evil, and the, whereas the Tories are premeditated and evil. Because um, this fits with, you know, the stuff we talked about before, where, like, India and Australia and Japan are setting up this, like, new supply chain pact to, like, reduce their dependence on Chinese uh, manufacturers um, due to COVID and shit like that. Um yeah. So this is like Boris Johnson signaling to like Australia and India, hey, let's make a deal. I will totally set up the United Kingdom as your gigantic fuck off warehouse and clearing station for your shitty ass exports bound for Europe. Yeah. And I mean, while I wouldn't, I don't know that this would necessarily work out. Um, it is a bit of a, I would say it's a bit of a harebrained plan, but it's not completely wrong-headed. Yeah, I mean, it also works because there's that side order of the City of London hiding everybody's dirty money, because that's still going to be a thing. Um, if anything, post-Brexit, it's going to be more of a thing, because there's not going to uh-huh. be much left. Um. <laughs> oh, yes. And, of course, I mean, on the other side of that, you know, the Tories have been uh, trying to wriggle their way out of the ECHR. um, And just abolish human rights laws. (laughs) Yeah, like, they don't... They're doing it on the grounds that um, 
the ECHR um, is an impediment to deporting people um, and to denying people asylum in the UK. Um, I don't know why you would go to the UK at this point, but it's like America in that way, I guess, and that, you know, they, they destroyed over there, so now they come here. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's the like, Tories being premeditated and evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so they're out like, the gate. Like, they're not do. they don't do, like, the whole, like, Republicans at least pretend not to be being this gauche, whereas the Tories are coming right out the gate saying, well, we want to be able to deport people, so fuck you. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they, they're already trying to, like, blow up um, parts of their Brexit, uh, Brexit deal already. Yeah, the, re- uh, the rainy fascism island, it's having a normal one. Yeah. Um, like, this is... They are really doubling down on the whole, yes, our Brexit negotiating strategy is we're going to be a perfidious Albion and a totally untrustworthy actor and threaten to abrogate all our international deals. And like, and it's at the point that Nancy Pelosi has said there will be no Brexit trade deal that's passed through the House, which is necessary for these trade treaties, if they breach with the Good Friday Accords, which they will if they don't go along with some kind of framework with the EU. And they're not doing that. Like, they're not doing that to such an extent that at the last, like, EU27 summit, um, the, at the insistence of the German representatives, the EU tabled all discussion of Brexit negotiations because they were like, no, they're, like, not treating this seriously. They're not taking, uh, like, our position seriously. So fuck them. We'll just, like, let them ride that dumpster fire off the cliff there. Like, they can ride it off the white cliffs of Dover, singing uh, Rule Britannia all they want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is... This is, like... I guess my my point is, with um, what the Tories are doing, is, like... I think it would be more fair to say that, like, the, the Tories have an internal logic that they're operating on to make all these moves. Um, that doesn't mean that it actually makes sense. Like, it... But there is a logic to it. Exactly. Like, I mean, what's been happening with the Republicans is they're sort of going on some dumbass autopilot of don't piss off Trump slash don't let the the Democrats get any wins. So, which has effectively, like, got them in a logical bind, preventing them from doing anything useful around COVID. Um on top of the usual corruption in Washington, D.C. Whereas, like, what the Tories are doing is, like, they've been saying since, like, February in various ways that they see COVID as an opportunity to, like, reduce the number of useless eaters and all this shit. Like, there's a very clear, deliberate fuck the poor and protect the rich kind of class war logic at work that is, like, like, it's there in the shit the Republicans are doing in the U.S., but it's nowhere near as methodical or thought out or, like, you know. Like, the Tories are effectively dismantling a lot of the things that have kept the U.K. from sliding into being some kind of, like, Russia or Singapore-style democracy where the ruling party always wins, but we have elections to legitimize it kind of thing. Um, yeah. 
Like, they've been doing it very intelligently and effectively, and they've been using this economic crisis as well as some serious disinformation around COVID to just make an absolute mess of the situation. Like, so, but it's all in a way that has actually cemented their control to an extent and effectively like thwarted opposition which is you know helped by that cure starmer is like about as useful as a used tissue yeah i mean he this is like this is what smart authoritarianism looks like yeah yeah and i i do maintain that it will likely blow up in their face much as um you know, Trumpism is has already blown up in our face and will continue to blow up in our face. Oh, they're face absolutely going to lose Scotland and Northern Ireland at the minimum. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that like, ship has sailed at this point. Like, uh, like my read on the Scottish media is that there's a lot of people who were previously unionists who are now like kind of ride or die. Let's get the hell out of this burning building. Yeah. Oh God. Like, it, it's at the point that, like, anarchists are, like, in some places talking about, like, let's just support independence however the fuck we can get it, because it'll get us away from London. <laughs> ah, fuck London. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> we could be seeing, you know, the Manchester Red Guards and the Free Scottish Militia, like, sacking Westminster before this is over. Uh, good luck to them. Um, so, on the horizon, the Red Horse. <sighs> oh, jeez. So, yeah, this, this is... <laughs> I mean, we are reporting this because this is a thing that's happening, and the pattern is a really kind of bad one. And fit, and it sort of narrows the possibilities a bit that we talked about in the Doomsday episode. Yeah. Like, it's... I won't say that it's, like, all of the usual suspects, but most of them... Is seem to be shifting to a pro-coup position. And I wish I were exaggerating. Or at least enough of them that they'll be able to drag a large chunk along with them by default. Yes. Um, Tucker Carlson um, is basically he thinks it's an existential war against um, you know, America versus Black Lives Matter. Um, and less said about that, the better. Um, it, it is some pretty, like, late 80s apartheid shit. Yeah. And, well, I mean, he's, he's mad about anarchism um, in particular, so I guess we're, you know, uh, retreading an old late 19th, early 20th scare, but, um, you know. I mean, I'm gonna 
be real on this for a second. Donald Trump has kind of been the best possible recruiter that anarchists could have asked for. Like, Emma Goldman once, like, quipped that she didn't need to do a damn thing to, like, radicalize people to anarchism. She just had to let the cops hit people over the head. Um, so, you know, Trump has been kind of like that, writ large. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> You know, like, if you hate anarchists so much, why are you making it so easy? Yep. But, yeah, that's, this is some just straight-up race war shit coming from Fox News. And if Tucker Carlson is saying this, especially after he's been credibly accused of sexual assault, which ended Bill O'Reilly's career, let's remember. Like, Bill O'Reilly had better ratings than fucker ever has. Um, Oh, yes. So, there is credible cause to jettison him out the airlock that has not been taken, and he is now going full-on, we are going into the bunker and letting the noobs loose kind of rhetoric. It's kind of gives you a sense of where the leadership at Fox News probably is at on this. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's either a situation where the inmates have just this is day of the road asylum, or yeah, um, like I I don't know I don't know at this point. It's like there's clearly still a faction war going on within Fox News, but I'm not convinced that the quote-unquote, softer side, the Murdochs are going to win this one. Well, I think they this create is... a beast they can't fucking control. Well, and some of the Murdochs are still, like, I mean, Rupert is still a pretty, like, right-wing asshole, and he's about to croak, so I think his impending mortality has probably, like, honed his focus enormously towards fuck the libs. And Lachlan, who is basically the heir apparent, has always been a huge, like, kiss-up to daddy kind of pretty hard right guy like a couple weeks ago one of the murdochs did quit the news court board but he was the one who was like you know the token mayor pete supporter on the fox news board yeah like he was the token democrat in the murdoch clan and you know emphasizing this guy was about mayor pete shows you about you know what the range of discussion is we're talking here in house murdoch but yeah the fact that Lachlan and Rupert already are pretty hard right. Lachlan's just less flashy about it. And like, Tucker Carlson's going full Der Sturmer. Uh-huh. That's yeah. kind of worrying. <laughs> no, yeah. It absolutely is. Um, because it it does kind of show that they are not correcting for this. Like, this has gone beyond anyone's control, even if like, I don't, I don't even think the Murdochs are in control at this point. Um, yeah. But, I uh, do think that, yeah, they well, they probably are proceeding with like tacit approval at least. Yeah. No one's stopping. <laughs> yeah. And that's gonna be a problem on election day. <laughs> Because no one has been stopping them, if at any point between now and then the upper-level Murdochs suddenly go, actually, we'd like to play the long game and not potentially die, um, 
they're going to have a very hard time throwing the brakes at this point. Yeah. And... Like, if they do, they would lose market share to, like, One American News Network and Epoch Times or something. Like, like Bill O'Reilly just got, like, a radio show from some big, like, Trump mega donor. So, at this point, if they're throwing out people like fucker Carlson, which they would have to do if they're going to throw the brakes on this, he's just going to migrate to some other sack of money and they're going to lose revenue. So, just from a business standpoint, they're kind of fucked. Oh, yeah. <sighs> um, and then we've got Roger Stone, um, who should be in prison. Like, but let's be clear. He, his sentence was expedited or something by Trump, so, you know. like Yeah. That, that's, it was commuted, as I understand it. Yeah, like, I mean, Roger Stone is a, like, an absolute shitbird, and has mostly kind of been an entertaining, like, sideshow for the Trump circus for the last couple of years, but the th- only reason this is worth bringing up, that he said that Trump losing should lead to martial law, because Trump is the only possible legitimate winner, is Trump seems to have, like, a Putin-sized man crush on Roger Stone. And takes him very seriously. Yeah. Like, it seems like at this point, um, like, I don't want to belabor this too much, but it, it, it really does seem like Trump, um, I mean, obviously he, uh, he doesn't care about any of the normal niceties. Like, that should be obvious right now. Um, I mean, he said as much at his rally in Nevada, where he was like, hey, this thing about me talking shit on vets means I can go really vicious. It's like, yeah. He he is incapable, of course, correcting away from his stupidity, so. I mean, there's, well, and, there, you know, there's not a lot there, um, to be honest. It's like, he doesn't, uh, he's not the kind of guy who self-reflects. He's the kind of guy who sits in bed thinking about, you know, getting a blowjob from his wife and maybe having a cheeseburger later. Exactly. Um, as uh, that actor dude put it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's like, there's no there, there, but, you know, obviously he wants to win. and Because if, if he loses, he goes to prison in some way or another. Yeah. Assuming there isn't a nod and a wink from Joe Biden of, hey, we'll give you like a week to pack your bags and get the hell out. Yeah. Pack your um, bags, tra- uh, transfer some of your assets, get the fuck out. Um, just don't be my problem anymore. Yeah. And yeah, and he's got no reason to be- like. Not only does he have no reason to believe such an offer was put in front of him, he is like been shown to be easily persuadable by the last tough guy in the room. So, yeah, I mean, it's like I uh, I could very well see him do that, um, but how it well would, it would work? That's another question. Yeah. And that, like, 
that kind of move alone would probably blow up his very, very fragile coalition. Like, we all know at this point that, you know, Biden's coalition is extremely fragile. It's basically a shotgun marriage um, between, you know, every faction that actively wants Trump out through the electoral process. Um, and I just, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing with Stone is, you know, he's like... It, he's and it's not just Stone. It's like a fucking health and human services official who, by the way, has since deleted his Twitter... So you don't get to dunk on him anymore. Um, actually, this is what said, so my God. <laughs> like, actually said in front of fucking cameras and reporters that scientists are plotting a coup <laughs> against Donald Trump. So yeah, the CDC stages a coup. Put it on your bingo card, because that's a thing now. Oh my God. <laughs> Give us the nuclear football or we release the smallpox. <laughs> I was sent here to give you turbo Ebola, Mr. President, and also COVID and several other diseases that I... I don't know if they have names. I, I think we were supposed to talk about that um, in next week's <laughs> meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, this is, that's the place, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy actually believes it, and that's kind of the place we're at, is the American <laughs> right is talking itself into doing something really goddamn stupid. Um, it will still hurt a lot of people. And, you know, if they roll fucking sixes every single time, it might actually work, but... Yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's the thing that actually scares me. Um, and, you know, even an unsuccessful coup, like, the social peace is, like, it's so fucking fragile at this point. It's, uh, it, I mean, it, it's not even worthy of the name anymore. I mean, especially when we've got confirmation that the, what happened with the U.S. Marshals and Rhinel was basically a hit. I mean, to put it in Trump's own words. And here's the clip. Ready to go. They heard we were going in. Did you hear Ted Wheeler's numbers? Like 20% in uh, Portland. Ted Wheeler's a disaster. He's right. a laughingstock. He went out to protest with the so-called agitators, and they were going to destroy him. They were going to beat him up badly. He fortunately had security, but they were going to beat him up badly. The man is a disaster. If he would say, come into Portland, within a half an hour, the whole thing would be solved. he's not going to say that. Uh, the governor's gotten closer. Look what's going on out there. That's I will tell Kate you, Brown, the that? governor has gotten closer. I spoke to the governor two days ago. Good. They're arresting a lot of people. Good. Now, we sent in the U.S. Marshals for the killer, the man that killed the young man in the street. Just right. shot him. I mean, it was yeah, on television. Cold Cold-blooded killed him. He didn't like his hat, or he didn't yeah. like something, and it wasn't a Trump hat. Right. It was peaceful it was, prayer. It was a lot. It was a religious hat. Right. And he shot him cold blood. Two and a half days went by. 
And I put out, when are you going to go get him? And the U.S. Marshals went in to get him. And in a short period of time, they ended in a gunfight. This guy was a violent criminal. Out of the mouth there. And the U.S. Marshals killed him. And I will tell you something, that's the way it has to be. There has to be retribution when you have crime like this. There can't be guys standing up that want to fight. They want to fight. But the- you can't throw bricks at people with shields. I mean, that's a hit. Yeah. He yeah. used the word retribution. Come on. Extra judicial execution. That's that's what this was. It was that's a where we hit. are. So we need to respond accordingly and assume that things are. Then the, assume for a minute that you know we're well off the map, yeah. and here there be monsters. Oh yeah. And speaking of monsters, the black horse. Rides across the horizon. So this brings us to another really dumb Trump administration thing. The CDC eviction moratorium. Which actually wasn't dumb. Like, it actually is probably the most useful thing that he's done since COVID started. Yeah. It's just, you know, he very much. We're grading on a curve here. We are absolutely grading on a curve. It's a really steep line. Fucking money. Oh, yeah, like that, um, you know, I mean, we're talking COVID policy that's seen things like random Austrians getting Trump bucks mailed to them. Like Austria in Europe. You know. Don't ask me how the fuck that happened. But, you know, the CDC, you know, eviction moratorium thing is, you know, not a bad thing. It just, you know, requires jumping through flaming hoops while juggling chainsaws on the back of a tiger, you know, as you Uh do. Yeah. Um, There have been people who have managed to use it to halt eviction proceedings. Um, but the problem is, is that it's not, well, part of the problem is that a lot of landlords don't seem to be honoring it. And the thing of it is, is you have to know that it exists and the formula to get it in order for it to be useful to you during eviction proceedings. Um, like, once you're in front of a judge, you're a lawyer, and uh, you probably need a lawyer for this, because it is fairly complicated logic. Um, your lawyer can stop the eviction on that basis, but you have to have one. And you have to know that's there. Yes. And they have to know it's there. Uh, not everyone's been briefed yet. Um <laughs> And on top of that, there's been a, like, massive spike in eviction filings that happened in the moment this policy was announced, specifically uh-huh. to get around these limitations before anyone really knew what was going on, like, from lots of really big, like, real estate companies that hold, you know, thousands of apartment units and shit like that. Um, 
Yes. And so, basically, um, what they've done is this this isn't slowing things down very much. In a lot of the states that aren't implementing full eviction moratoriums, like, it's bad. It's, it's unbelievably bad. And... I, I don't. I don't fucking know. Um, it's th- this is like why we've got like you know Texas commune on our bingo card because they dropped eviction protections by court order in July and have not reinstated them and are doing yeah. shit like Zoom eviction hearings where shit they not if you lose your connection you lose the case. Um, yeah, which so, is. Like a hilarious violation of due process, but due process is not, it's not a very strong point. You, you literally have to buy your own justice at this point. Yeah. Or, you know, do like that one eviction defense group did in Austin and literally like take over the courthouse so that nobody could stage eviction hearings. You know. Hell yeah. That's, that's exactly what Deed's doing. Literally just, just occupy them. Fun historical tidbit. One of the first things that like angry peasants did during the French Revolution was burn um, debt records. You know, as you do, mm-hmm. as you do, which included rent. You know, just saying. But yeah, yes. <laughs> it yeah. So it really has been proven, like the stupid tax of it like exemption thing to be absolutely worthless and i mean it has saved some people and if you are able to exploit this stuff please do like the there is potential protection there it's just don't depend on it don't assume that it's going to hold up um especially if you're somewhere that has repealed eviction moratoriums or never had them in the first place so, you know, that's, and sort of hand in hand with this whole, like, housing related thing is, uh, Facebook has decided to join in on the fuckery. Uh-huh. So, as we've mentioned before, tech workers are, like, migrating away from these really, like, super expensive places that have, like, popped up around tech, like, on the West Coast with, like, Portland and San Francisco and Seattle, um, Austin and Texas, Dublin, Ireland is one example, um, overseas, and lots of other places that have really just sort of become these sort of tech metropoli and have, as a result, massively gentrified and pushed people out. And so the tech workers are making, like, just enough to pay rent and the other bills, and that's about it. And as soon as Facebook and Google and all the rest of them said, hey, we're going to full remote work because it's the only safe way to do it. They were like, neat, I'm moving the fuck back to Minnesota or Iowa or Florida or wherever it is I moved here from where I can pay a reasonable rent, make a really healthy salary and, you know, be somewhere that's not been massively hollowed out by gentrification bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, why not just go ahead and return home? Um, Yeah. I mean, that in and of itself is going to be like a thing that's going to have reverberating consequences for a long time across the United States, that you're getting this like tech diaspora going on. 
Um, yeah, because a lot of our jobs um, in the industry, they can be done from home. Like, yeah, for data center work, you still need people to physically come in, but you don't need all that many staff to run a data center. Like, everything since COVID has started has basically proven that the concept of the administrative office, which has existed since, like, I don't know, Egypt, under Uh the pharaohs, I think. Like, you know, when you have written documents, um, like, the concept of the administrative office has basically been made obsolete. And we've seen things like Pinterest walking off on a massive lease to the tune of writing off $90 million in deposits. Because it was yeah. more profitable for them to eat that raft of shit than to take yeah. the real estate on. Like, this is the beginning of the end of the office as a thing. And for anything even, that's like, does yeah. not need to be done on site. Like, and the thing, uh, the thing of it is, is that a lot of these companies, even if they wanted to, um, how to put this, even if they wanted to, um, you know, return everyone to the office eventually, um, the, the major trend in, you know, the tech sector and in a lot of small, medium enterprises and all that um, has been pushing for the so-called open office, um, wherein you you're basically in this large open space with several hundred other people doing office work. Um, Like there's just enough room to socially distance if everyone never leaves their seats, but people get sick in those pretty often um, because disease spreads like wildfire in those conditions. You don't even have cubicle walls to block spray. And, you know, we now have like proof of everything since COVID that you can do all this stuff remotely, which is way less expensive because you don't have to pay for real estate. You don't have to pay for, you know, the assorted costs that come with having office space. Like you don't have to pay for liabilities or security or any of that other shit. So it's a big cost saver all around. I mean, if you basically just said, all right, fine, y'all can work remotely. We're going to give you like a little extra stipend to pay for bumping your home internet up to like top grade. You could totally do it and it would be way cheaper. But what we're seeing that's happening as far as Facebook fucking around is they have now announced that for anyone who's moving away from San Francisco or Portland or Austin or any of these other major tech hubs, that they will be expecting pay cuts proportionate to the decrease in cost of living. Yes. Um, This would make them come kind of into line with other um, remote-only businesses that um, basically treat it as an excuse to not pay a competitive salary. Because, you know, if you can if you can live in, like, bumfuck nowhere, but it happens to have, you know, a reasonable level of internet, um, you know, maybe we only have to pay you 40k 
And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it's, if there was ever going to be a tech workers strike, like we've said before, it's going to be because of the disruptions caused by COVID and because of what's going to come with that. And it's going to be around issues of pay and working conditions and all this shit of people that are suddenly discovering, wait, I don't need to do a two hour commute or something every day. I can just get up and like put on a smart shirt and walk down the hall. Um, yeah. And among other things like this is, (laughs) there are going, there are people who are going to have had certain benefits like pay and these like significantly better working conditions than you would get in an open office environment. Um, and along with, you know, much greater savings that come from not having to go into work on a regular basis. Um, this is going to then be trying to take at least some of that away once people have gotten accustomed to this. Yeah, because they realize, okay, maybe we can't surveil them um, as much. Um, I mean, there are ways, but they tend to interfere with at least some job descriptions. So that's, well, that's part of the problem. Like, you know, we don't really need to go into an office for most things, again, but we've created a situation where, you know, you can move to a cool city, but because your salary is so big, you basically end up, you know, is shoved into, like, landlord hell, where everything's driven out of control, and then it gets to the point where, as an undergrad, it actually becomes, you know, as a recent undergraduate, well, graduate, um, it, it becomes, like, how to put this? Like, it starts making sense to, you know, live in a fucking box truck in the Menview Google parking lot, because what else are you going to do? Are you going to, like, pay for a hacker hostel for, like, you know, $1,500 a month so you can get, you know, a whole rash of skin diseases um, and be crowded into, um, you know, like, one of several rooms of, like, you know, the 600 people? Like, no. No, why would you do that? And why would you pay out the ass for a single apartment just for yourself when... You know, that's, like, most of your salary anyway. Yeah. So this is probably going to lead to significant labor disruption, and I am totally here for that. Um, Hell yeah. It'll be the easiest fucking sit-down strike ever. All you need to do is not answer your email, not file your reports, (laughs) and, like, play Fallout or Minecraft or whatever your poison is. Um, Mm -hmm. Hell, you could do bong rips all day. I really don't care. It'd be the easiest strike ever. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, even in France, um, IT workers strike. We have a surprising amount of control over the infrastructure. Um, you know, we, we could brick Facebook if we wanted to. Oh, yeah. So, you know, all that said, this gets us back to the whole fun thing we opened up the episode with coming on the heels of the white horse the pale horse 
Oh yeah, the pale horse. Derp. <laughs> the pale horse cometh. Ah. So, yeah, the yeah, west the west coast is like looking like Australia was. Uh huh. In like at the end of twenty nineteen, um, this is. I mean, and, and it's. I mean, there's shit going on, like, independent journalists getting harassed in Oregon under suspicion that they're anti-fascists, and cops in rural areas actively, like, advising people how to get away with shooting people they think are an anti-fascist, trying to start fires and shit, because of just so much in the way of Facebook hoaxes and just... Queuing on bullshit and just some dumbass thinking that BLM over the radio means Black Lives Matter and not Bureau of Land Management. Yeah, and like the Quackamas guy who um, was like advising these people to do all that shit, um, he did get suspended for what it's worth, but. The problem is, is that kind of shit spreads. It's as hard to control as the fucking fires. Easily. And it's like, I mean, I, I suppose it didn't help that, you know, a lot of the press have been, you know, um, wearing gear, basically. Um, because that's, that's what you do now to report in Oregon. Because um, the Portland police are shooting at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. And so it it's basically turned into this whole big thing where, you know, they they are absolutely convinced that we are starting fires to own the conservatives. And it's like no Or to like stage lootings or something. Like, you know, the because the anarchist movement totally has a priority of trekking out to, like, Klamath Falls to take your toaster, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're all headed out to Malala to collectivize your toothbrush in the middle of a fucking wildfire. Totally. Like, shut the fuck up. It's all about the damn toothbrushes. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, we, we want to collectivize the factory. Yeah. Not, the, yeah. not your fucking toothbrush. We don't care about your fucking toothbrush. Like, we really don't give a damn about your toothbrush or your, you know, personal effects or anything. But, yeah. you know, that's that's Fox. Um, like, yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, and, and there's been, like, points where, like, Portland and, like, San Francisco have traded off being, like, the worst air quality on the planet during this, like, the whole fucking planet, um, yeah. during the last week. Like, some of you have seen the red sky and orange sky pictures. You know how it looks. Yeah. That, that, that shit's real. I mean, I haven't seen anything quite that dramatic, um, personally. But I also haven't tried to go outside. Today um, is literally the first day I have seen a bird. Uh-huh. 
and it's mostly subsided to 70s LA smog levels in San Francisco. What's your AQI? Um, right now I think it's like 120. 120, that would be nice. Like We're three. still around 330. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. always either very healthy or hazardous. Um, and if you believe some of the sensors that are around the area, uh, it's even worse than that. Um, you know, nearly pegging out the fucking scale at like 480 or something. And yeah. There's been health officials that are saying we have no idea what this level of smoke inhalation is going to do to people. Because we've literally never seen this before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like there are places where it's like, I, I'm not gonna lie. Um, it's it's pretty. This is Silent Hill shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you can't fucking see anything, and it's just. I have. It's never been this bad. Not even the Eagle Creek fire was nearly this bad. Like this is. This is just fucking insane. Um, but it's it's kind of our reality right now. Um, one of my roommates um, actually took off. Um, and she's camping somewhere out beyond the fires, um, which was probably a good idea in retrospect. Um, mm, yeah, maybe, maybe I should have joined her. I don't know. Um, <laughs> been, you know, it. this is apocalyptic. This is like literally like the sun being blotted out kind of shit. It is off the charts. Like, welcome to Ragnarok. It's happening. Um, kind of thing. And yeah. this kind of thing's gonna happen more and more. Like it's it's like, there's yeah. not serious like changes in things like fire management and climate change policy. And the direction that society is going, this shit's going to keep happening. Yeah. I mean, um, Helen pointed us towards, um, you know, one of the possible causes, at least for Oregon. And that whole showdown back in, I want to say, 19, um, where basically the Republican um, legislators fled the state for um, to avoid the quorum so that you know gun control laws would be passed. Um, there was also climate change stuff in there too, and one of the things that was going to be in there uh, was a controlled burn program um, during the wet season. Yeah. Um, would have reduced the risk of all of this. Yes. Um, and it didn't go through because um, basically, you know, she differed until they ran out the clock and then uh, they, you know, basically cut a deal. Um, and didn't send the to, state like, police drop to everything. compel their attendance as legally can be done. Uh-huh. And... Like, yeah. 
there's obvious problems with that. Like, I mean, you know, if it were me, I would have just thrown all the gun control stuff out and um, focused on passing the climate change bills, because those are actually important. Yeah. And, and in the, but, well, the situation in California is even more fucked, because two-thirds of the land that tends to burn is under federal management, so it doesn't fucking matter if we rake the leaves. <laughs> I mean, to a li- like, there is a certain extent to which like we can mitigate the damage a little bit, but when two-thirds of that land is under federal management, yeah, we could go out and rake the fucking leaves every goddamn day, and it won't fucking matter. Yeah, and frankly, a lot of that landscape needs to burn. Like, it's just this is the ecology that we've inherited, but you know, the feds have said you know the natives aren't allowed to do the controlled burns that they normally do, and you know nowadays we're realizing that those burns were there for a reason. Yeah. It wasn't good for capitalism until it was, you know. So that, I mean, yeah. that's, that. this is going to be the new reality. And this isn't just in, like, you know, California and Oregon. This is, like, huge fires up in Washington State, in British Columbia. Um, like, Denver in the last week has set temperature records for heat and cold and somehow managed to have wildfires and fucking snow. I mean... Yeah. That's that's what we're dealing with. These... Yeah. <sighs> Capitalism as it was will not be able to function under those circumstances. Not without significant state investment or a sort of devolution that leads to a kind of corporate feudalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just this. This is not workable at all, um, and I don't. I mean, it's like it's really hard to convey just how bad this is. Um, but it's like, yeah, those those pictures are real. Um, let's just say that. Like, climate change, it's, it is fucking here. Um, I mean, you may have known that already, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you probably believe that anthropogenic climate change is real. Um, but if you needed, like, you know, some sort of, like, physical proof, well, now you have it. So that's, yeah, I mean, I guess that takes us right to hell. Um. (laughs) Right to capitalist hell. Oh, well, okay. Um, So So, a couple things. Yeah, like, we're, like, to put something out, very clear, like, the models we're using around the U.S. have long stopped assuming that legality will matter if there are not sufficient guns to back it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of how it's always worked. 
but it's like those measures never need to be used, basically. Um, like the unique thing about our system is that we've had peaceful transfers of power for the most part. Um, I mean, literally the only exception was the American Civil War. Yes. And I mean, at this point, I believe we're on track for a second one. I, I realize I've been this, this fucking thesis into the ground, but sorry, y'all, y'all need to understand what uh, what we're looking at, what we're facing. This is this is fucking insane. Um, I mean, you've probably seen some like hardcore doom posting if you're on Twitter from this like one blue check named Umer, who what like previously lived in the Middle East before using to the moving to the U.S. and is like absolutely freaking out in every single one of his medium posts on this. And, you know, he's not wrong in comparing what's happening to, like, the kind of authoritarian creep that has happened in other countries. Um, This is, like, we are well in the end stages of a fascist takeover because we're at the point of there are multiple law enforcement agencies who have been verified as openly collaborating with fascist militias. So we are in the end game on that at this point. That doesn't mean the fascists have won, but... It does mean that we're at the point where they have control of the official government and specifically the coercive arms of the state. Yes. And so I would say um, to be clear that like this is not the time to like you know give up and head in the woods. Um, If nothing else because a lot of them are in the woods. Yes, and also the woods are on fire. Um, So maybe don't go there just yet. Um, What I am saying is that I don't think, like, you know, obviously I don't think the fascist takeover will be, you know, like Nazi Germany. We're not going to roll over for this. I mean, the biggest thing to keep in mind with this is the capitalist class has, with some exceptions, very thoroughly lined up behind Biden. Like, the sheer amount of money that the Biden campaign is pulling down is because the donor class have opened the floodgates to stop Donald Trump. Like, this is very different from what you saw in, like, say, Nazi Germany or, like, say, Chile when Pinochet took over where significant components of the capitalist class, if not, you know, most of them were actively siding with the far right in various ways. Like this is sort of the opposite of that. And that's always like getting the right and the center to team up like that has always been crucial for a clean fascist takeover. Yeah. Like using the word clean loosely here. (laughs) Clean for them, we should say. Yeah. Um, the kind of thing where they peacefully and legally are able to seize power, even though peaceful and legal are very dubiously applied. Yeah. And I... A lot of people seem to think that, you know, we'll slide quietly into that good night. You know, a thousand years of fascist darkness, all that, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. That isn't really possible here. 
<laughs> I mean, what I'm going to say is it's not really possible here because one, the the faction of the ruling class that controls the purse strings isn't behind it. The military isn't behind it because, you know, they don't... They you really know, don't want to come over there. Yeah. Like, this is not... This is not something they particularly want to deal with because, you know, they've got so much other shit on their plate. Um, like, the, well, you know, the domestic situation is a fucking sideshow compared to, like, you know, their own security commitments abroad and their own political and, you know, yeah, domestic political, foreign political objectives, like... All of that stuff means, like, you know, they, they don't need the distraction of, you know, some domestic political masking include. And, and the upper echelons know that, you know, Biden's made it abundantly clear that the money's not going to stop moving. So there's no serious threat to their position back home from the incoming potential government. Yeah, like... And, and they won't have to deal with that, like, stupid man-child anymore. I'll be like, you know, I'll cut you your checks, everything will be fine, um, you can commit as much graft as you want, just, you know, don't make it public, everything will be fine, just don't, don't do this coup shit, you don't have to follow Trump. Like, especially because, you know, the US military has had it seriously ingrained in its culture since, like, you know, the... 1770s before it was the US Army and was the Continental Army that the military stays the fuck out of civilian affairs. Yeah. Like, like there is like the opposite of the kind of culture you used to see in the Turkish military where the military actively intervened in government. Like this is the o- exact opposite. Yeah. I mean it's not uh, we're not saying like you know there's some exceptional American character thing. It's culturally speaking, our military just isn't set up for that kind of thing. Uh, and they have no desire to do so, especially after like Iraq and Afghanistan, where they were forced to do the whole run a civilian government thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, do you want to die for some shipper's colonel, uh, shipper colonel's plan to pacify Kenosha? Like, what the fuck? Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> that said, there are, as we've mentioned before, significant elements of law enforcement that are completely like chud pilled at this point. Um, oh, like the yes. New York. Like the New York Benevolent, like Police Benevolent Association, in like a first time ever, like endorsed Donald Trump, and they've never endorsed a presidential candidate ever. Um, yes, like you know, this is the same police department that has like openly threatened the mayor's daughter. So we are getting, and you know, we've got the situation in Portland where the Portland police are basically doing whatever the hell they want. It's like there are a lot of places where it is sort of a question mark as to how much the police are actually taking orders from their elected civilian officials. Yeah. And nobody wants to blurt out the actual answer, which is that in a lot of places, it's effectively nil. 
like de Blasio has no control over his police whatsoever. Um, Ted fucking Wheeler certainly doesn't. Um, you name like, it, and the only reason there is some like level of control over the big California departments is probably because like the state government of California has enough resources that if it so chose, it could dismember the LAPD. Yeah. And other departments have been essentially cowed into um, some level of compliance. Like, Seattle police got their budget slashed by 50%, which is pretty amazing, to be honest. Um, And the LAPD had a huge cut, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, we managed to get, you know, 25 mil cut off um, here in Portland, but uh, when you talk about a department that's funded at the tune of like 240 million, it's like, and it's most of the city budget for things. Um, most of the metro budget, honestly. Um, yeah, like... <laughs> We obviously need to cut more, but if you've got a department that's been cut by, like, 50%, and, you know, there's the threat that, you know, if you step out of line, we'll just cut you more, um, because, you you know, you're proving the protesters right. (laughs) Or, like, Colorado, which completely went for the brass ring and, as a state, abolished qualified immunity which has so far been received by officers as a signal to just get the hell out. Um, And there's been a lot of cops retiring early in Colorado because they now know they will be legally and, like, civil liable for any bullshit they pull while on the job. So there are definitely places where we're seeing indications that law enforcement is, like, either taking their ball and going home or otherwise, like taking the message um and it's no coincidence by the way that you know la and oakland in particular have been having significant anti-police riots for since like rodney king on a fairly regular basis um seattle there were quite a few somewhat credible rumors that one of the reasons that the autonomous zone even happened was because the cops literally ran out of ammunition and stupided themselves into abandoning a whole police precinct. <laughs> um, that That's like the best way to put it. Um, so there have been situations in some of these places where you're seeing these reforms happening where the cops have actually thrown down with the street and the street has been able to at least hold its own or hit back a few times. So there seems to be some understanding on the part of civic officials or police officials, or maybe both that they can't win this one the hard way. Yeah. But it's like, it's places like the Portland police bureau or, um, the NYPD where, you know, it's... Or, like, the Chicago PD who literally oh, has yes. a private black site for years and got away with it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In city boundaries, no less. 
Like, they weren't even doing, like, the CIA thing of outsourcing it to Syria. They were just, like, moving it down to the south side. Yeah. I mean, it's like, all those people, they're, like, for them it's personal. Like, you know, they're they're cutting into their bottom line. And the thing you have to remember about the police is that, honestly, at this point, um, and this may have been different, um, before I was born or something. Um, but I can't even imagine it being all that different. They're nothing more than a, a gang at this point. Well, even if you look up the most mainstream histories of law enforcement that are like, you know, put out by academic press, have cooperation of police archives, whole nine yards pretty much every single one of them starts with some variation on the phrase uh, the NYPD, the Metropolitan Police of London, D.C., wherever, started as the most well-armed and organized gang in the city. Yes. Like, this, the San Francisco PD literally started as a bunch of vigilante mobs. Yes. And it's it's very important to note that, like, Basically, what they are at this point is a state-sanctioned gang, a state-sponsored gang. Um, and so, obviously, it's like, the, the thing that separates them from your local gangbangers is that they have the blessing of the state. That's it. They're, and more money. And more money. <laughs> And more money. More legit money, certainly. Yeah. Money they can openly spend on tanks. Uh-huh. Instead of having to launder through uh, half a dozen front businesses to buy drugs. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's like... You know, uh, you know what they say, the best way to rob a bank is to own one. I mean... The best way to be a criminal is to be the police. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, it is pretty fucking strange to see, um, because, like, all the propaganda tells you that, oh, they're totally not a gang. No, no, they are. They are. They there, absolutely... I mean, there's... There's literally a police gang inside the L.A. Sheriff's Department called the Executioners, complete with, like, tats and everything. The Vallejo Police Department is itself pretty much gang at this point, um, complete with an initiation ritual that involves killing someone, um, which this, you tend to only yeah. see with the more brutal gangbangers. Um, yeah, I <laughs> Like, that's a level that makes the Hells Angels go, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, I mean, I just don't know how you can get around describing them as anything else. And so it's like, of course they're not going to bend civilian control because they're so used to not having it. Like, um, unless they're actively forced to, which has happened in some places. So it's... I mean, that's one of the big question marks in anything around, like, we're seeing Trump and all these, like, fucking right-wing chuds that are basically saying, yeah, fuck it, we're gonna disregard democracy. 
and stay in power regardless of what happens. And, you know, like my Angelou once said, when somebody says who they are, believe them. <laughs> They've been, like, telegraphing this for months at this point. This isn't some mystery. I mean, he was, op- like, Trump was openly flirting with this kind of thing in 2016. So this is not a new behavior here. And there is actual consequences facing him and the people up at the top, since Biden has actually promised to do some prosecutions, or at least not interfere with state-level ones. So there is skin in the game here. This is not like where these guys normally can just go to a bankruptcy court and walk away. Like, this is... Like... I mean, it, it's probably not going to be very well organized or executed. It might not work. It probably won't work if people push back with the same level of anger that they've shown so far during like the explosion since George Floyd's execution. Which I think is a very reasonable thing to assume. But, you know, we kind of have to assume that's going to be in the cards. Unless, like, you know... Election Day is a total blowout, and the Republican Party elders manage to, you know, actually get Trump and Fox News to walk back from the edge and help them pack their bags to fuck off to some other country. Like, this is... This is approaching a very bad-looking endgame, and it's one where we have to assume that the resolution of the election will be in the streets and not at the ballot box. Like, it would be... I personally think it would be highly unlikely that this election will go in anything resembling a normative fashion. No, I don't... Honestly, at this point, I don't see that either. Um... (sighs) Yeah, it's just, it's very, it's very touch and go, but I don't, unfortunately, yeah, I I mean, I just don't, I don't fucking see it. Um, I mean, it hasn't been this bad since, like, since, like, 2008, but, like, even with 2008, they kind of realized, oh, wait a minute, this, this Obama guy, he's actually... Uh, the main realized, you know, we, uh, okay, he's reasonable. We can, we can work with him. He's not going to dismantle the banks. He's not going to do anything to us. He'll give us whatever we want. And, and in fairness, that faction has lined up behind Biden. It's just that the faction that has decided to go full fire eater has gone from being the Tea Party in 2010 to this, like, fucking Cthulhu-faced monster of, like, the Trump movement and QAnon and the alt-right such as it is, and the militias and just, and, like, elements of the police. Uh-huh. That, like, has the making, with probably, you know, the fossil fuel companies are along for the ride, but that's because they're, like, fucked anyway. Um. <laughs> so, you've got, like, a fascist coalition. It's there. And it's loudly telegraphing that it intends to do a fascism. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I... The thing is, is I wouldn't... I don't really expect much from, you know, the shit libs, the resistant, the hashtag resistance. Uh, People like that. But... 
I think they'll, like, jump on the train once it's starting to leave the station. Yeah. Um, I mean... Because they'll have to. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, they'll be the... They won't be the tip of the spear. Let's just say that. Um, This is going to take more than that. Just to guarantee that this guy gets in. Which isn't even... Our preferred outcome, but, you know. Well, I mean, it's entirely possible they might have a burst of competence and follow through on their rhetoric and arrest, like, Biden and Harris and a lot of the top-ranking Democratic Party officials. But if they do that, that really just kind of pours gasoline on the fire because that would have removed the only, like, legitimate moderating influence in whatever response will be coming. Yeah. I mean, it's like... At that point, you know, you gotta arrest the legislature, half of it. Um, You gotta arrest um, governors, um, state legislatures, things like that. And, you know, once you start making those moves, things spiral out of control really fucking fast. Um, Like, at that point, you know, you've, you've crossed a point of no return. I mean, I think we've kind of crossed one already as far as the social peace goes, but I don't think we've crossed one yet as far as, you know, the government. At this point, it's all stuff that can be taken back. Yeah. There are ways out. Like, if, like, as we've sort of alluded to, Trump takes some kind of quiet deal to fuck off to Moscow with briefcases full of money or something, then some of this could be tamped down. Like, there still would be a wave of violence from the hardcore maggots, but it wouldn't be, like, Bill Barr's packed boys are kicking in Kaiser Newsom's front door kind of shit. Yeah. I mean, it would be more... <laughs> Assuming they actually go after him. Like, I think they honestly might believe their bull- own bullshit enough that they'd go after the federal party before the state officials. Mm. Like, I think they would try to go for some kind of decapitation strike, which would be precisely the worst move they could make, but hey. So, yeah. Um, on a slightly lighter note, um, Finnish dock workers um, held a ship for several days um, because they were not paying the Myanmar's crew. Um, which was pretty fucking wild. They just like, they just straight up blockaded the ship into a stock. Yeah, they, they forced it to stay put. And we're like, no, fuck you. We're doing a direct action. Yeah. Solidarity forever. <laughs> and it worked. As far as I know. Um, they, oh, from what I understand, they got their back pay, and um, they'll be repatriated from Finland to Myanmar, um, which is, you know, what they were demanding. Because, you know, they they got stiffed on, like, the equivalent of, like, $70,000? Yeah. Straight-up wage theft. Yeah. So... so you know. <laughs> They're so good in this world, you know? And 
people are pushing back. So, you know, just because the fascists think it's their time doesn't mean it actually is. If anything, they've kind of shot the bed pretty thoroughly. Yep. Anyway, this was Chop Shop Economics. Read this shit so you don't have to. Good luck out there. Bye, everyone.